Welcome to Generally Assembled, your favorite House Republican podcast. Uh, I'm Jason Gottesman, joined by Neil Lesher. And uh, Neil, we have two rules for Generally Assembled. Do you know what they are? No, I don't. The first one is don't invite guests on Generally Assembled. You know what the second rule is? Don't follow rule number one? No. Invite <laughs> Jesse Topper. Representative Jesse Topper is our first guest on Generally Assembled. Welcome. I don't consider myself a guest. I consider myself the guy who really should have been here from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. the talent's here. The talent's here. It's our first long-time I mean, listener, listen, first-time caller. I, I, I went back and listened to a couple of these, and um, I'm just glad I'm here. And I'm sure all of our listeners are as well. Well, well I, three I, of them. I look forward to absorbing <laughs> your perfection and, uh, you know, modeling myself after you. Listen, my, my mom will definitely listen. She consumes more politics. I, I said to her the other day, every time I go there, she's all upset about something. And I said, you have to stop watching the news and listening to podcasts about politics. But now I'm going to go back and say, but there is this one. <laughs> there is this one. That maybe just listen to this. Yeah, just listen to this one. Well, that's we, good. That'll up our, our followers to three, which includes my mom and right. my coworker, Nick. <laughs> um, well, let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what uh, we did this week. And, and look, I think that it was um, no secret that this week was was lined up with uh, some stuff for, for Veterans Day this week. And there was a lot of good bills that that uh, that you know, members were voting on that they can take back home. And, um, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, with a member here, what is, you know, what, what is it easy for, not easy, but what, what do you do when you take home bills like this, that, you know, we help our community tell people back home what it's, what we're doing here for them? Well, most, most bills, most legislation comes out of need, right? So it's not as though we're taking something back and saying, hey, look what we have gifted you. I mean, what we bring down here and what we put into to bill packages this is what we hear from our folks at home. We've heard from veterans groups who are saying, look, this is what we need. This is, this is what uh, can help us. This is what can make things a little better in terms of times of transition, which, which we know is, is real. I mean, I have two, two brothers who have served, one who's still serving in the Army who's a career military man. And we understand uh, the general need to help them. But look, I wasn't in the military. Most of us who were not don't understand that. So I, I never like to think of it as we're, t we're taking stuff home and telling people, hey, look what a great job we've done. Everything that we're doing, we're responding to needs in our communities. And I think people are appreciative of that. It makes it feel like they do actually have a voice in their government. Well, that was fun. Now let's talk about some uh, really interesting things. And I'm glad this week that the House passed a bill by Representative McKenzie to uh, prohibit commercial fees being paid to get mugshots off of the internet because that means uh, Frances Wolf will be able to take hers down free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's, wow. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was pretty brutal <laughs> earlier this week. I mean, not only did the, uh, the first family violate the election code, but the governor went on the radio and admitted to it. Well, but I, I think it points out something else, and I think Chairman Seth Grove did a good job in pointing it out. What that says is if something is so complex that the chief executive can't figure it out, then maybe we should have done what we what we passed uh, earlier this year out of the House and the Senate and put on his desk the vetoed, which clarified a great deal of what, what really had become a, an election law that had been, um, I'll use the term, you know, misinterpreted in my view. We can use whatever term we want, but essentially the courts stepped in and made it something it was not and created chaos. And the fact that the chief executive himself doesn't know the law tells you what kind of chaos they created. Well, Jesse, I think you have to give him a little bit of leeway. I mean, he is new to politics. He's only been at this for seven years. I mean, at best, seven years. Yeah, I mean, so I, still I can't imagine he's devoted all seven of those years to being actually engaged in what he does from day to day. True. Not only, <laughs> not only not those seven years, I w this is one thing I'll say, though. 
We, we have become a society, and I think this is a, a really good thing to talk about as people want to talk politics over their kitchen tables. It's, it's become this new thing to say, hey, I've never put up a vote for anything. I'm going to run for a chief executive. I'm going to run for governor. I'm going to run for president. I'm going to run because, I, as Tom Wolf did, I got a lot of money, right? I can throw it into a lot of cool commercials with me in a Jeep, and I can say, hey, I'm an outsider. I don't know any of this. Well, there's also a downside to that. And, and, and Governor Wolf has showed repeatedly, uh, whether people say he's being aloof or whether he's not being engaged, he has shown repeatedly he does not know how to deal with members of the General Assembly who actually pass the laws that he needs to sign or veto. And I think that's a problem. And I think we all need to look at our body politic and say, okay, we understand everybody comes in with their views from what they did in the outside world. But let's just not say, hey, let's run against institutions, let's run as outsiders. Maybe we need some people to run who actually know what they're doing. And that comes through in the way that he governs, right? He, he has a very go-it-alone type approach. Um, earlier this week, our speaker, Brian Cutler, introduced two constitutional amendments. Uh, the first uh, says that if the governor issues an order that has the uh, effect of law, that it can only be in effect for 21 days unless the legislature extends that. Uh, and the second one would allow the legislature to overturn a regulatory effort by the executive branch with a simple majority. Do you want to talk about uh, why no, that's nobody, important? Nobody understood the power of the executive branch in a time of an emergency until COVID happened, right? And, right. and that's not, Pennsylvania is not unique in that. That was a phenomenon that happened all over the country. Once these chief executives got a little bit of a taste of that, all of a sudden it felt like they were digging through the books. You know, we'll find the 1955 Infectious Disease Control <laughs> Act. We'll find the Administrative Code of 1929 because they're looking for any way they can to govern via fiat instead of through the regular legislative process. So now it's incumbent upon us now that they've all, the, 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 the toothpaste is out of the tube, right? So now we have to say, okay, the, these executives want this power. They don't want to work through the, the people's house, the people's chambers. They want to be able to go it alone. And this is not Republican or Democrat. This could be any chief executive. And so now we have to start putting those uh, guardrails in place so that they can't do this. And we did that through the constitutional amendment, which the people supported. And now we're going to have to do it again. Well, and certainly there's there has been, and, and I think that this is throughout our history as a constitutional republic, ebbs and flows in who has more power, the, the executive and the legislature. And I think what we're seeing is a natural conclusion to where the legislature ceded more power to the executive. Uh, and now you have a new group of legislators in here I've seen over the last 10, 15 years or so um, how far that, that really has gone and the, the ugly side of that and are trying to rein that back in all the way from not only issues related to COVID and how we manage public health crises and emergency declarations, but um, even with things like uh, the tolling of bridges, where even that was even more recent, where the legislature actually said, okay, we'll have this P3 board kind of deal with some of this stuff, um, but then, well, hold on, we don't like how that decision came about, so now we have to take that power back. Um, you know, this is really where uh, the, the General Assembly and the legislature has the ability to say, you know, we're, we're here for the people, and we're going to take that, we're here elected by the people, we're the closest to the people, and we're going to take that power back for them so that this is not exercised just by one person from on high who literally, uh, you know, doesn't even read the bills before he signs and vetoes them. So while Tom Wolf was pulling up laws from the 1950s, the rest of us were pulling out the Federalist Papers and saying, wait a minute, 
minute. This is not how this was supposed to work. The, the design of our founders, you're absolutely right. Now, the design of our founders was that legislation was to be enacted through a slow, messy process. Right. I, I tell this to people all the time. Like, how, how does this stuff not get done quickly? It's not supposed to. Now, that being said, we understand that in a state of emergency, there might need to be some dynamic movement by a state government. And that's why they still, the, the governor's office still has 21 days three weeks to be able to act in that dynamic manner, right? So it's not as though we completely said, no, they have no role in a state of emergency. We understand that. The people understand that. But legislation, public policy enactment that affects people's lives for years to come should go through a slow, messy process. That's the only way it works. That's the only way it was supposed to work. It should not be. And look, if I was governor, you know, I mean, then then law laws could look the way Jesse Topper wanted them to look. And I would imagine there's a lot of people in that bu this building uh, that would not like that. Now, hopefully everybody in this room would think that oh, that was absolutely. fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do great job. But, but there's a lot of folks who would be like, no, no, I don't want that. Well, then let's make sure we have, you know, processes in place that actually meet what the founders intended. Folks, believe it or not, it should be really difficult to take people's rights and liberties away. Really Absolutely. Difficult. Well, it should be darn near impossible to do that. And, and actually, it is in some ways because the Constitution protects some of those rights. But the more difficult we make it, I mean, you know, there's over 5,000 pieces of legislation. Those became law? I mean, that would be that would be problematic. Yeah, uh, by law of averages, only a couple of them are good ideas. Absolutely. And, 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 don't, and look, don't tell that to the sponsors. Well, and they all think that theirs are the ones that Neil's talking about. I mean, I, I always say everybody talks about cutting the budget. I said, listen. Cutting, cutting $2 billion out of the budget's easy. Everybody, even the Democrats, could agree to cut $2 billion. The question is which $2 billion to cut. Right. That's where it gets, because everybody ha comes in with their own ideas for their district, their own personal pet projects. Like, that's where it becomes tricky. It's not that people just say, oh, yeah, let's cut the budget. Well, do we cut ag? Do we cut, you know, right. mass transit? Like, you can't do one without the other. So let's talk about another area where some of this executive overreach has come into play, which is the school mask mandate that's currently being there. The governor picked uh, mid-January to lift that mandate now that vaccines are available. Uh, I kind of wonder if he has like a calendar dartboard in his office that he was throwing darts at to try to pick the date. Yeah, uh, magic eight ball. Yeah, I just, you know, but this is one of those things where th that there was, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, really a lot of consternation over in the beginning. And um, still is a lot of people upset, and rightly so, and bringing it back uh, and, and taking it, you know, off the books now in two months doesn't really make any but sense. But, guys, isn't that, isn't that why people are frustrated? Yeah, it, it's it is. It's not so much what happens. It's that the seemingly arbitrary nature of which it happens. What, what is special about January 14th? What there, there, you can't point to it and say there's a reason. And that's why when one person or one entity makes those decisions, they don't have to give justification. Whereas every time I make a vote, I got to go justify it. I got to say, well, this is the, you can agree or disagree, but this is the information I had at the time. And this is why I made that decision. And that has been so lost, whether we go back to the waiver process, whether we go back to the initial business shutdowns, whether we go back to any kind of mask mandates or vaccine mandates. You know, we, we've just we keep moving goalposts. And and I'll say this. I, I heard some I, I can't take credit for this. I heard someone else say, it, but it made a lot of sense. Anytime you hear somebody say we're following the science, 
be very careful because there's right. probably a political agenda. There is no such thing as the science. There's just science. Right. We follow science. Science it's, is a process. That's right. It's, science is not the science. And so uh, I think we've just gotten into this, this area where we're making arbitrary decisions based on something that does not exist as opposed to saying, look— and I think if we're honest with ourselves, um, probably he's looking at some of the court cases surrounding the mask mandate and saying, look, if I lose these, uh, that could be a problem. But if I come out and, and say, no, the mask mandate's going to go away, maybe the courts say, you know what, never mind, uh, that's no longer a moot point. Well, that, that happened once before exactly. uh, with his mitigation efforts, and he said there's going to be no more until, guess what, there, there were more. I certainly hope that, first of all, let me be clear, I hope the courts, I'm not saying this because self-servingly one of them one that I'm involved with, but I'm certainly hoping the courts will say this. these cases are not just about this executive, this administration. This is about precedent for what future administrations, Republican or Democrat, have the ability to do, and that's why they're important to be settled. All right, well, let's uh, go out on a, a lighter note. Jesse, you have a lot of titles. Uh, in addition to being the co or the uh, vice chair of the appropriations committee, very powerful position, uh, you also go by Coach Topper, right? You're still That's coaching right. football. How's, yeah. how's that going? Uh, great. We're we're in the playoffs. I mentioned to get back today for uh, for practice. We play Clearfield this week for uh, the district district title. Uh, district five and District nine will play and uh, see who gets to go into the state playoffs. That'll be at home at uh, Bedford Stadium. We're looking forward to it. Uh, uh, Representative Sankey, who represents Clearfield, and I were. Uh, kind of needling each other What's early the on the week, What's so the well, I'm not going to go into that. But we're but we are we're we're looking forward to that. And honestly, I will say this: um, high school sports is you know people have talked about why, why are you so why are we so passionate about that? You and Representative Reese during COVID, it means a lot to communities. It means a lot to to parents, but most importantly, it means a lot to these kids. It means a lot to student athletes. It is one of the things that helps drive them in education. It's part of their overall education that is extremely important and to be able to see people back out on Friday nights under the lights and enjoying football again uh, and soccer and, and volleyball and all of these great great sports that these kids participate in out there in the marching band uh, it's a pretty neat experience and I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. it's one of the things that helps keep me sane outside of this job well that's awesome good luck all right well that's uh, generally assembled for this week uh, we need to cut it short here a little bit so we can go and uh, shoot some cool promos with us Jeeps. Uh, but uh, <laughs> until next time, uh, Representative Topper, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, I'm Jason. I'm Neil. And this is Generally Assembled. You can find this podcast where all of your favorite House Republican podcasts are found at www.pahousegop.com slash podcast. <laughs>